Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for our author interview today. We have the adventurous and popular Larry P. Johnson. You might know Larry from ACB or YouTube, but there's much more behind the scenes with Larry, including books on Bard and Amazon, and in also his experience as an international radio DJ and much more. If you've heard, read, or listened to his Mexico by Touch book, you know you're in for a lot of fun today with our special guest author, Larry Johnson. So put on your favorite earbuds and get ready for a reading and writing adventure with your fellow bibliophiles at Writing Works Wonders. And Today, not only do we have our Zoom participants with us, but we also are streaming live on Clubhouse. So welcome to everybody as we join together for this interview and question and answer session. I'm Dr. Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Something new today. <laughs> We are venturing out. <laughs> All righty. I'm so glad to be here. And I have the master of the website, master of the universe. Thank you, Kathy. I am so happy to be here with you and all is good. We're going to have a great time. So back to you, Kathy. Thank you. It's my great pleasure to share with you Larry Johnson's background. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this. Check it out. Larry P. Johnson is a native of Chicago and a graduate of Northwestern University School of Speech in Evanston, Illinois. And he also has a master's in Latin American studies from La Universidad de las Americas in Mexico City. His professional background includes 22 years as a radio and television broadcaster in Mexico City, Chicago, and San Antonio. He was the first blind broadcaster in Mexican television. He also has 32 years as a motivational speaker and workshop presenter, 21 years as a human resources manager with AT&T and Southwestern Bell. Currently, he makes his home in San Antonio, Texas, enjoys travel, teaching, dancing, bowling, and reading. He's the father of six children. Yes, count it six, but get ready. He's the grandfather of 21. Author of Mexico by Touch, True Life Experiences of a Blind American DJ. He also has written, You Can If You Think You Can, Rebound from Adversity and Follow Your Dreams, and Inside My World, which is a personal memoir. And then there, he also has a multi-volume series called and that's how I see it. And this is from his newspaper columns, which are often humorous, always insightful. His commentaries in a popular newspaper in San, Anto San Antonio, Texas. Over to you, Cheryl. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. So much. Yes. <laughs> we are so honored to have you with us, Larry. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's delightful <laughs> to be with you. I would like to bring attention to your 
YouTube venture. Do you have a specific name for your YouTube? New titles up every week. I had a title for it initially, but then I kind of decided I didn't want that title anymore because I started the YouTube series during the pandemic. I did so because I really felt that it was important to be connected with my audience. And so I started doing a weekly YouTube series. It was a variety of topics. I want to emphasize here to your audience that though I have written quite a bit about blindness and disability, that is not really the genre that I most focus on. I think mm-hmm. that writers with disabilities can and should broaden their perspective. So I talk about everything from baby aspirin to bottled water to uh, driverless cars, whatever topic comes to my mind. And I sort of focus on that and tell a little story, a little message. So I just title my YouTube entries now with whatever the subject matter is. The last one was called The Man of the Butterfly. You cover so much. And then you have your inspirational. So many of us have heard about the man in the butterfly, the girl in the butterfly, about cutting the cocoon too soon. But how important it is to be reminded of that and your perspective that we go through these struggles. Well, I think every little story has a message. Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps uh, that's what I try to bring out. You know, mm-hmm. you're right. We have heard these stories over and over again, but we need to be kind of reminded, how do they relate to me today in my life? And I think there's a lot of common understanding, whether you have a disability, whether you're of a minority group, whether you're aged, whether you're young, we share so much. And that's what we have to focus on, how we are more alike than we are different. Absolutely. And now I'll backtrack a little bit to your degree in Mexico and how you working in Mexico. Do you, would you touch on some of that? Yes. Let me first say that my first degree, which was in broadcasting, and the reason for that was because I was fortunate to grow up during the golden age of radio. I don't know how many of you are... Mm-hmm old enough to remember, but radio used to be absolutely fantastic. I mean, there was so much variety and I was fascinated by by it. And I wanted to be part of that because I was really, really excited to believe that being blind, it didn't matter because radio was sound and it was theater of the mind. And I could do that. And so that's why I jumped into the career of radio. And my first writing was writing commercials. That's what I did. I wrote commercials for my radio shows. And then later, when I got into television in San Antonio, I wrote commentaries, cultural commentaries, they called them. So I'm really more of a a narrator than I am of a writer. Later on, I became very much involved in the disability rights movement. And so I wrote 
and gave a lot of speeches advocating for equality for people with disabilities. And then I became a newsletter editor for a, uh, an organization, a statewide organization here. So I, I be, did writing uh, articles for that newsletter. And so it, it, it evolves. And I think that's something important also for writers to realize that you don't have to stay with one particular genre. You can venture off into other genres as well. Mine has been mostly nonfiction. And so I didn't write my first book or publish my first book until I was 70 years old, believe it or not. It took that long for me to publish a book. I did have articles published in different magazines, but my first book came out in 2003. Then I had another one in 2009, another one in 2010. And then I decided I wanted to send a letter to the editor at the San Antonio Express News. And by golly, they published it. So I sent him another one and they published it. So I sent him another one. And before I knew it, I was writing twice a month and sending them articles. And they weren't primarily about disability, although many of them were, but probably 75% of my column in the newspaper over a nine year period were not about disability, but they were about contemporary things. They were about subjects that resonated with people. And then uh, I gravitated back to my favorite thing, which is talking. And so that's when I started the YouTube and Facebook series. So Larry, I just found your Mexico by Touch book so compelling. I really enjoyed it greatly. And I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you have many intense parts of it that you're telling stories about how you dealt with different situations and all the amazing experiences you had, as you said, during the golden years of radio, the golden age and um, the breakout of uh, rock and roll and um, the bilingual experiences and the changes in the industry, all that's going on. But there is an awful lot of hilarious stuff in that book. I mean, I was just cracking up and, and it just is so enjoyable to read it and, and enjoy that. There's a lot in um, international life too, a lot of insight about your living for 17 years in Mexico and being part of that community, a real part of it and your sensitivity to that and desire. So how, you know, I'm thinking of the writers in our audience and our readers too. How did you go about putting together and meshing this serious content with the humorous? It blends, it flows, Larry. How did that happen? You know, I think humor is so important and that we need to have that sense of humor and the ability to laugh at ourselves as well as situations to make life what it is. It's a fantastic journey. And so in sharing my adventures, I just felt compelled. I, I had to tell the truth and the whole story. And, and a lot of that story was a comprise of funny, funny things that happened. You know, even today, I find that it's important for me 
to look at situations and to be ready to smile or laugh at them. I pride myself as uh, being really organized. And, and so I label things a lot. I'm always putting things back exactly in the same place that they were. So that I'll find them again. You know, that's something we mm -hmm. have to do. Well, the other day I decided to add some mayonnaise to the chicken sandwich that I was having for lunch. So I opened the refrigerator, I reached in and I grabbed that plastic squeeze bottle of mayonnaise and I squeezed a really good amount of onto my sandwich. And then I took a bite. <laughs> and that's when I discovered that what I had drenched my chicken sandwich with was butterscotch syrup. Oh, oh. Well, you see, it came in the same kind of bottle yep. as the mayonnaise, and I simply forgot to sniff before I squeezed. So, <laughs> so I said, well, you know, maybe I could offer this as a recipe to Chick-fil-A. Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, I almost put bouillon, uh, paste, bouillon paste on my toast this morning for the same sort of reason. <laughs> I thought it was the jelly jar, you know? Oh. And it felt yeah. funny, so I pulled out my magnifier. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, we can all identify that our life is our lives, whether we're sighted, partially sighted, or blind, are full of all the things that happen to us that are funny, and being able to laugh at ourselves and remember those stories. You're a great storyteller. Cheryl mentioned that um, you enjoy um, auditory work. You enjoy speaking and narrating. Uh, I really enjoyed how Mexico by Touch, you narrated it yourself. Did I did. You find... I, was, I, yeah. I, I, I was really thrilled when NLS decided to accept my narration and it included in their collection. That was maybe a first. I don't know. But, you know, about humor, again, it's so important. If you have a message that you want to communicate, and it could be a very serious and profound message. There's a lot of things that we would like to see change to, to make it easier for blind people, you know, more funding for our older blind program or more uh, sidewalks or more whatever. And, and so it's really important to somehow also include a little light touch to that when you talk to legislators or the powers that be that you want to you want to prevail upon them to see your point of view and so being able to add that light touch is so important in getting their support so you have experience as a disability working in the disability field as human resource and also doing motivational speaking and what role do you think humor plays in providing that light touch? How does that work with our sighted allies, Larry? What do you it, think it does? It relaxes them. It allows them allows the tension to dissipate. It allows them to see you as a multifaceted human being. You're not just mm -hmm. a, a, a you know a, a strong militant activist who's coming in and demanding that they do this or that. You're an, another person just like them. And we have to remember that, that whether you're talking to a senator or you're talking to a councilman or you're talking to the head of a college or wherever, they're human beings just like we are. 
And you've got to get down to that level where you have common ground. And humor is a way to do that. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. So one more question about your writing. Um, speaking and addressing needs that, of our audience that are gathered together with here who might be wannabe writers, beginning writers, experienced writers. Did you encounter some challenges as you were beginning to do your formal writing? You had been a broadcaster. So beginning your writing career, some challenges you might have encountered, one or two, and how did you navigate them? Well, maybe about 50 or 60 uh, rejection letters from publishing houses who didn't want to publish my book. And that's pretty common. You know, uh, m many of the most famous writers have encountered rejection. And rejection sometimes is really hard to deal with because it's you take it personally. You think, oh, they don't like me. And it isn't necessarily that your work is not acceptable. It's just that you haven't found the right door to knock on. You know, you haven't been able to reach the right agent or the right person. And maybe you won't. Maybe that book or that article isn't the best one that you could produce. So you write another one and you write another one and you knock on another door. It's persistence and not taking personal those letters of rejection, which are only temporary no's, there's always going to be an outlet for your contribution. You know, we all have something to say. I believe that writers are both storytellers and messengers. And, and so whether your story is about yourself or it's about someone you're writing about, it's a biography, or whether it's a story that is in your mind, in your imagination. It's a story that's worth writing about. It's a story that's worth telling and somebody will listen. Absolutely, thank you so much. That's very helpful. Cheryl, over to you. Larry, if you could give one piece of advice to people who are published authors or just starting out writing something small or planning to write something big, you could give them one piece of advice, what would that be? I would say write about what matters to you. Where is your passion? Mm. What is the message that you want to share? And whether it's uh, in fiction or nonfiction or poetry or wherever, there is, it is important for you to write even if you're the only one that reads it, because we have this desire to express. And writing is also therapeutic. It, it gives vent to our frustrations, our emotions, our aspirations, our hopes. So writing is really, really beneficial to the writer, probably even more so than to the reader. And you should remember that there are a lot of publications out there. You may not be able to click with, uh, you know, the major publishing house, but there are lots of specialty magazines, whether they're the Braille Forum or some other disability magazine, but there's lots of smaller publications. There's your local newspaper. 
you could send in send in your article everywhere everywhere and of course do research do research find out what it is it that they are looking for what kind of things do they publish are they focused on sports travel family relationships that's where you would then target your particular submission but don't ever give up remember it's tremendously important to have the opportunity to submit your written work to as many places as possible. Thank you. It's true when you say about your passion, because trying to put myself, the round thing into a square box, it was just not going to happen. I tried different ways of writing nonfiction for a long time, and it just wasn't, it took me longer until I found a passion for what I was doing. And then I could write laugh hysterically as I'm writing and just have a party all by myself and my characters. I believe what you're saying, find your passion, go with that first. And then if you want to broaden out, go for it. Thank you. And and reminding people of all the different types of publications. We, we encourage that all the time because there are, it's amazing how many publications are out there. Chanel, we're going to open it up for questions. Yeah, our first question comes from Joe Marks. It's an honor to talk to you. I'm doing radio and I am endeavoring ebook writer. So I'm trying different avenues. How did you go down that avenue or how did you get your start as a motivational speaker? I think radio prepared me for that, Joe, because I enjoy speaking. And I found that people were interested in listening to my ideas and to my thoughts. But even more than that, I felt that it was a very, very powerful thing to create a relationship between a live audience and yourself. You know, when you're on the radio, you're talking. But you don't know really if anybody's listening. And if they're listening, are they laughing at you? Are they turning you off? You don't know. But when you're in front of a group and you can relate to that group and you talk about something that's important to that group, whether it's about blindness or it's about raising bees or whatever it is, if you have something that's interesting to them, then you will get a response from that audience. They'll clap when they're supposed to clap. They'll laugh when they're supposed to laugh. And that's just an exhilarating feeling. Did you have to go and work with an agent that would book you for certain places to speak? No, I did not use an agent. Most of my early motivational speaking was about disability rights. So it was something I was very passionate about. And I volunteered to go to different cities and to speak to different groups. And as I did so, I received invitations to attend other groups and speak to them. That's how you build your your audience, is you go out first and talk to a Lions Club or to a Rotary Club or, or a Kiwanis Club, and you tell them what you want them to hear. And then someone will come up to you and say, hey, would you come and talk to my church group? Would you come and talk to my ladies group? And that's how it grows. Abby? All right. Well, Larry, I do just have one question. I'm Abby Taylor, and I'm in Sheridan, Wyoming, and I enjoyed your book, Mexico by Touch, several years ago, and I'm just wondering where your other books are available. Thank you. 
There are four of them available on BARD right now. Mexico by Touch is the first one. And then there, there was You Can If You Think You Can. Uh, and then another one, which was another memoir, which, uh, which is called Inside My World. That's my earlier childhood. And then there is one collection of my essays, which is called And That's How I See It. There are more of them available on Amazon if you want to go that route. But those are the ones right now that you can get through Bard. And there are a couple more in the hopper. I don't know when they'll be available. Mary Carla Hayes, you may unmute. I um, wanted to know, could you elucidate on what you were just saying about Bard? How are you able to convince Bard to to let you narrate your book or books? And which of those books are narrated by you? The first one, Mexico by Touch, and then half of the fourth one, and that's how I see it. I guess I just persevered and I told them about my book and uh, I was fortunate enough to talk to the right person at the right time and they said, okay, we'll, we'll give it a try. The interesting thing about Mexico by Touch is that there is another recording of it, which was done by a gentleman in, I think, it's Oklahoma. And the poor fellow had very little, if no, training in Spanish. So he had a real tough time with a lot of the words. <laughs> Our next question comes from Nora. Great to meet you, Larry. When did you first start writing books as a younger person? You know, the first book was a real chore because it was before I had a computer and uh, it was really laborious. Mm -hmm. What I did was I began dictating it into a cassette recorder and then having someone type it out from that. It was very slow, very tedious, and I, it actually took me 15 years to produce my first book. But thank goodness now it is so much easier with, you know, with a computer and with JAWS and Microsoft uh, Word. Now you can go in and you can write and correct and edit. And by the way, I also want to mention this because it's so much easier now to self-publish than it used to be. Amazon's Kindle Direct Publishing is almost a breeze to use if you want to publish your own book. It used to be kind of almost an embarrassment to say, oh, I published my own book because they were called vanity writings. You know, you just wanted to have your name in print. But many, many, many people now even some of the famous authors now do their own self-publishing and it's affordable and it's easy to do. Larry, we really appreciate you sharing your Actually, experience. Actually, we just did get a raised us. hand when you're ready. Okay, we'll be right back to you. Just a minute, okay? Um, okay. So, Larry, um, you know, in Mexico by Touch, there's different aspects of storytelling and one of the things that you did was you included some great interviews that you had. One was with Stevie Wonder that I remember. Another one was with Paul Anka. And 
you shared the interviews that you had done with them years ago, and they were taken from transcripts. I think that was mentioned. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, we as writers or people thinking about writing might have pre-existing content that we have squirreled away, you know. Um, did you edit that content, those interview transcripts very much to make them appealing to your readers? Or did you just use the straight up transcripts? How did you make the, those decisions? No, they were majorly edited because mm -hmm. when you're doing an interview, there's a lot of hesitations, a lot of um, ah, uh, uh, and repetition. And so you want to get to the real essence the, of what the interview is about. And so you, you, you take a, um, a liberal approach to editing and, and that's perfectly okay to do that. Most people aren't that articulate, particularly celebrities. You know, they aren't prepared to, to give you straightforward answers. They hesitate, they sort of circle around, etc. cetera. Uh, the one exception was probably Paul Anka. He was so easy to interview. I remember when I began the interview with him, I said, now, these are some of the questions I'm going to ask you. And he said, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me. He said, you yeah. can ask me anything you want. And he was very, very easy to talk with. The, and you also have some little anecdotes in there, like you're very tall, I understand. And I really appreciate because I'm only five foot three. He stood on the chair <laughs> for the yeah. photo. But yes, <laughs> is he short? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, didn't, he didn't want to look too short. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy so and I know like, about that. Yeah, yes, because Cheryl's very sit. tall. Yeah, she's <laughs> tall, I'm short. And she always wants to take a photo of us. I'm like, sit down. <laughs> but the antidotes are really good to intersperse along with those interviews, you know, that makes it uh, the human interest side. It's really, you're really good at that. Yeah. My, my first attempt to interview Stevie Wonder was a fiasco because there was so much joking around going on. We couldn't get started. We start the interview <laughs> and people would make funny comments and we'd have to stop and start. Finally, he said, let's do this at a different time. And so <laughs> he was very gracious about inviting me to his hotel the next day. So we sat down together and he gave me an hour-long interview, which I wow. to edit for the book. And he, he was really, really wonderful. That's very instructive. Thank you for sharing that with us. Chanel? Yes. Next up, we have Marsha. I just want to say, Larry, that I found you sort of by accident. And it was uh, one of those, uh, Marsha Summers, that it was one of those where you were telling a story or something. And I was just riveted. At your delivery, you speak slow enough so that my mind can make the pictures up. And it's also so humanistic. I just wanted to say I'm a big fan. And how could I see these interviews that you had with Stevie and Paul? You know, what, one of the things you bring up a very important point, Marsha, and that is about descriptive narrative. It's, it's a couple of sighted people have asked me, in the process, how, how were you able to use so much visual description during your book? And I said, well, you know, I paid attention to that when I heard 
sighted people describe things or describe mm. people. And that was meaningful to me. And I know that that was important to include. So I borrowed from a lot of those descriptions by sighted people to make sure that the book contained that. Marcia, to answer Marcia's other question, those interviews are included in his book, Mexico by Touch. They're written, they're not videos or audios. They're, they're in the, well, they're in the audio book, Mexico by Touch, which is available on BARD. Okay. Cheryl and I were also interested in your disability work that you've done for many years and the human resources work. What do you think for those of us who are visually impaired or have other disabilities or different abilities, what do you think is the most important thing that we can do to help people understand disability identity, independence, awareness, mm -hmm. these sort of issues? How do we bring that to the forefront, Larry? Yes, that's a really important point. I would first of all say that it's very easy to become discouraged as a person with a disability or as a writer. It's really, really easy to just want to give up and say, you know, it's too hard. And the fact of the matter is that it is a struggle. Every day we are confronted with challenges and some of those challenges do seem insurmountable. But if we decide to give up, then obviously their change will not come. And so we have to commit ourselves to making change, even if it's a small change in our own little world. You know, I have found when you go to a supermarket or you go to a restaurant and you encounter someone who's sighted and they have never heard of or met a blind person before. And so you ask for a braille menu and they say, what is that? Or you ask for assistance and they, they grab you by the shoulder and push you ahead of them. You know, we are constantly given the opportunity to teach, to educate. And each time we do that, we are adding one more grain of sand to that beautiful white beach of equality. And so we have that choice. Everything that happens to us every day, we have the choice to either give up or to try to change it. And I think attitude is like that. Attitude is really our choice. We can't control what happens around us or to us, but we can be effective on determining how we're going to respond to that activity. Are we going to give up? Are we going to acknowledge it, accept it, and then choose to try to improve it? I read an article the other day, and I thought it was really beautiful. And we we're talking about all the division in politics and in public opinion today and, and the news, which is filled with all this discouraging and depressing things that are going on. And so, so what can we do about this? And, and the author said, abandon hate, encourage hope. And I love that quote. You use the word respond rather than react. And that's a key word, how we respond to the situations in our life. So thank you. And I also think, Larry, 
you know, having read Mexico by Touch and hearing you and reading about your background and the many things that you've done across your life and your perspective on life, which comes across in your writing and, and talking with you. Yes, you may have approached things with small steps and affecting small change, but I think across your lifetime, Larry, it's brought together a big change when you add all of that together and, and to keep that in mind, these small yes. steps, when you compound them, uh, I, th I think that you give us hope in that respect. Cheryl and I were thinking about the time frame when you went to college, Larry, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. pursuing your bachelor's degree in Chicago, uh, being blind because you lost your sight when you were very young due to glaucoma. What was that like in who was your support? Was it a solo endeavor? You know, it was a challenging time. But then, of course, I was raised with the idea that you adjust to society's challenges and barriers. Believe at that point that you could change society. My uh, elementary school teacher used to teach us, say, you've got to be smarter and work harder in order to be successful. You've got to develop the tools like a good memory in order to be more successful as a blind person. So it was coping skills. That's what was taught to me in school. And that's what my mother's philosophy was. She would always say, regardless of what the situation was, a disappointment, a, a something didn't go the way you wanted it to, etc. she'd say, life's too short, get over it. And that was her quick answer. You know, you don't stay down, you get up. And so I was fortunate that I had that kind of power behind me from my teacher and my mother that said, you know, it, it's up to you. It's up to you to conquer the situation. Don't be asking people to accommodate you, you figure it out. And so you have to learn how to bring resources to bear to accomplish what you want. You know, I would like to recommend, although I'm like not supposed to be plugging all my books, but particularly the one that I think would be most helpful is you can if you think you can. And what that mm -hmm. is, based on a series of workshops that I did for a number of years, and the whole idea is to encourage people to look at obstacles as opportunities and to really believe that you can fulfill your dream. And Larry, we have you on here to promote your work. <laughs> so go for it. <laughs> okay. We may have people on here who have never read anything by you or listened. So yes, please let us let people know about these things. So promote away. <laughs> well, the the other one that's that's kind of fun is the one that I wrote about my growing up years. And probably many of you could relate to that if your blindness happened when you were a child and the things that you had to deal with as an adolescent and as a young adult. And Inside My World is the name of that book. And uh, although I didn't record it, the uh, narrator who did a really good job of it. So that's the other one. And yes, please venture onto YouTube. And as uh, 
Cheryl asked me uh, what's the name of the YouTube uh, series, and it doesn't have a name. So every month I do a different one. And the next one is going to be called The Raindrop. That'll be October's. So I'm giving you a little heads up on that one. The Raindrop. Going to talk about mm -hmm. raindrops next month. In our, sh in our show notes, we will um, put the link to Larry's YouTube and also to his bird books, and we'll have the DB numbers in the show notes. So people will be able to find those at writingworkswonders.com. In two weeks, we'll have all this posted. Yes. Your email, Larry, is it still the Prodigy one? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. All right. So Larry's, and, and you make that public, correct? I, I do. I found Absolutely. that on the web. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I uh, no longer have a website, but you right. certainly are welcome to share my email with your audience. So his email, if you want to contact Larry directly, is L-A-R-J-O, the number one, at prodigy.net. Somebody just raised their hand? They did. Okay. And that would be Starry Williams. You may unmute. Hello, Larry. Hello. So I want to ask, you mentioned that nowadays there are computers and such. I want to know if there's any particular programs or techniques that you use in order to write your book. Yeah, I use Microsoft Word right now. And that some people prefer to do it on uh, their iPhones, and that's okay too. But I found Word is, is, is very friendly with JAWS, and I also have a Braille display, which I love because it allows me to correct spelling and paragraphing and that sort of thing. Do you have a sighted person go through your work when you're done? How do you do that with your editing? I have I have not really done that. I pretty well self-edited. But when I sent my column to the newspaper, they would always have somebody. When I, when I do my YouTube uploads, well, obviously, I'm reading them, so I know what I wrote. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that makes it easier. You do a great job. Do you edit them before you put them up? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And we do a lot of editing on ours, too, to take out when you said the ums and so's and, and the pauses. We It takes yeah. us a very long time, but it's worth it because it's a polished podcast and recording that we put out there. The, mm -hmm. the other thing I will say about when I do the mm -hmm. uh, YouTube videos, I always have uh, my grandson or someone look <laughs> at them to make sure that, that I'm in good focus. And that's really important, mm -hmm. even though... Yeah. Even though iPhone will say centered, it doesn't necessarily center you exactly the way you would like it to be. Go ahead, questioner. Okay, Anicio. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I, I just wanted to uh, congratulate Larry on his lifelong accomplishments. His YouTube stories that he puts up every month, I get a link to, to it from one of the uh, organizations that Larry is very active, the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, not only the content, but his ability to do storytelling is just mm. unbelievable to me. He's one <laughs> of the best storytellers. So when he says, yes, he's reading it, obviously, you know, it makes sense that he's reading it. So it, it, it doesn't forget any details, but you really can't tell. You, you, you would think that he's just 
talking extemporaneously. And that's just a credit to, to his ability to tell a story. I appreciate it and um, love hearing you every month, Larry. Thank you. Thank you, Anisha. I appreciate those kind words. Thank you for sharing that. I have never had a visualization of the butterfly being cut out of the cocoon like you did. I <laughs> thought that was, I was like, well, now I never heard it that way. And even when I had vision, I never saw it, felt it, heard it like you described it. That was amazing to me. I thank you. Before we uh, finish up with Larry, just let you know that next week's prompt is to use 75 words or less using the words fairy, tennis ball, and squirrel. You can tell us a story, <laughs> write a poem, whatever you'd like with 75 words or less with those words, fairy, tennis ball, and squirrel. Thank you so much, Larry. You have really blessed us. We really, really appreciate you being here. And all of the people that are new and our regulars, thank you. Thank you. We look forward to growing there as well. This has just been wonderful. Come back and visit with us again. And we look forward to having you back sometime too, Larry. Thank you so much. And I'll turn it back over to Kathy. I just want to say that I have some DB numbers here. And so if people want to just jot them down, um, or you can hear them again when you listen to this episode in two weeks, the, um, the one um, for Mexico by touch is DBC 0482. And that's Mexico by touch. Um, and then the one um, for the other book that Larry mentioned, um, you can, if you Think, think you, can. you can. Yes, that's what I thought it was. You can, if you think you can, which he recommended to us, is DBC 0488. DBC 0488. That's if you have access to BARD, which is NLS Talking Books. Um, otherwise, everything's available on Amazon and I'm sure other um, places as well. You'll be able to find his fine books. And Larry, we so appreciate you being with us today. It's been absolutely fabulous. Um, you're a wonderful guest with us. And we this has just been a wonderful show for all of us. So thank you for being with us. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, and Kathy. thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Alrighty. Too. Thank you for everyone to everyone for making this a wonderful episode. And Thank you to our listeners. Don't miss next Friday. Next Friday. Yes, it is. September 30th. It's party time. With <laughs> Greg Works Wonders. Yes, as we celebrate having won the Vernon C. Henley Media Award from ACB's Board of Publication. Join us for this extraordinary event as we have several special guests discuss the award and talk about what it means for us and for all of you that make us the Zoom call and podcast that we are. And then the first Friday in October, we have guest author, Barbara Hinkey, very well-known author. And also one of her books has been turned into a Hallmark movie. We sure wanna find out about that, don't we? <laughs> Be sure to visit writingworkswonders.com for these show notes, resources, and previous episodes. 
You'll also find many opportunities to write and participate in writingworkswonders.com, all opportunities to participate in our Zoom calls, writing events, contests, and open mic events are available through our contact page. Just go to the website and click contact us. We also have a donate button because it costs, we have technical costs uh, associated with this podcast and streaming this event. All and the whole team that produced this show volunteer their time and skills and talents, but it still costs to keep the servers running for the website and podcasts. And so we appreciate your donations. You may contact Cheryl and Kathy through the contact us page or email us at info at writingworkswonders.com or use our telephone number 347-467-0221. Above all else, we want you to be encouraged, inspired, and enjoy the wonders of writing. We look forward to being with you next time. So let's go ahead and go to Starry Williams. You may unmute. Whoops. Oh, hello. <clears throat> I just wanted to say that I am brand new and uh, I'm really glad to be here. I have no idea what you guys do, but you know, I want to do the writing thing. Oh, we have a lot of fun. <laughs> we do workshops, we have open mics and we, you know, and we do this uh, improv writing on the spots that we do. And uh, so there, and we always take suggestions and we do author interviews the first Friday of the month. <laughs> but thank you so much for being with us, Starry. And our next day was a, today oh. was a bonus author interview, although it wasn't yeah. the first Friday, it was a yeah. bonus author interview. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Donna Browning. So this is also my first time Hi, on this call. Um, I really enjoyed it. That was awesome listening to the author. And I did, uh, I did get some of his books while we were listening. This is fantastic. I was told that I should write my life story. I'm not sure I want to attempt that, but you guys uh, listening to you kind of encourages me to think about it. And I might even do your homework assignment. So you kind of encouraged me a little bit and I'm interested to hear what other people write. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm very curious to come back. Thank you, Donna. That's how it starts with little things and having fun. We give out a prompt every week. If you want to share it up on our website, you can do that too. And also and Donna, visit our website at writingworkswonders.com. Click writing prompts and you'll be able to see responses other people have posted to previous yeah. prompts too. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of fun. And you can comment on those if you like. If it's too difficult to comment on the website, this is for everybody. You can also email us your prompt response and we'll post it for mm -hmm. you. Kathy does a fabulous job at making our site accessible. But if you ever have a problem, please let us yep. know at info at writingworkswonders.com. I'll tell Kathy to get right on it. <laughs> Straighten it out. <laughs> and if anybody wants me to um, read those DB numbers again, I can do that. Starry Williams also has her hand up again. Does it matter which fairy we use and what came after tennis ball? Oh, squirrel. A squirrel. squirrel. Yeah. yeah, and you can use any kind of fairy you want. Awesome. It's your story. <laughs> mm -hmm.